Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Hey there, I'm Victoria Shade, and I'm the host of PetMD's Life with Pets. Now, this is a fun, all about dogs and cats kind of show where I get to interview subject matter experts, answer some listener questions, and help you become a better pet parent along the way. Now, we've had some really amazing guests on the show, including my two cents host, Bill Engvall, who told me all about his amazing dog, Jake, and Adam Carolla, who gave me a crash course in all things Phil. You can listen to PetMD's Life with Pets exclusively on Podcast One, the new Podcast One app or Apple Podcasts. And guys, it would be a huge help if you could rate and review the show so other people can join the pack. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. How are we doing? Wow. Standing ovation. <laughs> Not too many standing ovations that do I get, but um, in fairness, there are no seats. Um, so that makes sense. Thank you so much for showing up. In what room is this? Is it Harry the John- and Cedar. It's the Harry and Cedar room. I love that there's always sort of a themed room. We just came from an event where we performed in the Dolphin Room. Uh, so we're, we're pretty familiar with performing in uh, named rooms. Uh, that's what I'm going to say. Um, you guys have been great so far. I've been chatting with a lot of you, and uh, you're so welcoming, which I also understand is, uh, is very Minnesota-like. All right? Although someone said that that wasn't true. It's just, it's a, it's a, it is true, right? Okay. I, I don't want to point out who told me that in the red dress. That I um, but no, you've been really, really uh, friendly, and even you know, some of the people I met down in the lobby who I don't know if they're here at the event. But you have so- said some... Um, Strange things to me so far. Um, like down in the lobby, someone said that you love my work on Modern Family. Um, I just take it wherever. Like, it's a compliment. I will send a text message to Jesse Tyler. I think that's where you were going with that. Um, someone else who grabbed me, well, I mean, grabbed it, you know, grabbed my arm, and uh, said that you cried your eyes out. You cried, cried, cried when I won American Idol. Um, that also, I mean, I mean, listen, a lot of people watch American Idol. I'm okay with that. I think that's a Clay Aiken I think so, yeah. uh, I'm not sure, yeah, but I think, or Dave Cook, Dave maybe? Dave, Dave Cook, yeah, maybe? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and then this wasn't anyone in this group or in this building, but then um, uh, on the trip we just came back from, actually, in Syracuse, um, some young lady ran up to me in the airport and was, like, freaking out, which never, my fans are pretty excited, but not, like, freaking out. Uh, and she was so excited because she thought I was Macklemore. Um, and I really, she was a teenager, and I, just, I didn't really want to disappoint her, so I signed an autograph. Um, but I signed it as Macklemore. <laughs> because I'm a chef and a dad, and that's a horrible joke. And that thank you for someone who's booing. Uh, I do really, really appreciate that. Uh, but I'm Richard Blaze. Uh, and maybe you've seen me on a couple of television shows. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, we've been talking about them. Top Chef and Master Chef and a tons of things on Food Network, etc. This is Scarlett Jones. She's my assistant. Um, 
Scarlet travels the world with me. Uh, all of these exotic uh, locations, like I just mentioned, Syracuse, New York, <laughs> very exotic yesterday. Yeah. Tomorrow we'll be in a, Chicago, another exotic place. Uh, but we're happy to be here tonight. We are going to uh, sort of uh, walk you through one of the dishes that you're going to. They're going to be eating this dish, right? Walk you through one of the dishes that we're going to be eating tonight. During the whole uh, show, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, just yell them out. We're like, it's super informal. There's only 30 of us here. Uh, I can also handle hecklers quite well. So go ahead and throw it out. Um, and the dish that we're going to talk about is a beef tartare dish, right? I keep looking to Scarlett because she knows what we're actually <laughs> cooking. Uh, and I'm just checking in. Uh, so beef tartare. So that means uh, raw beef. So hopefully not everyone's freaking out. I understand there's a couple of really big beef tartare fans in the house, calling you out right over here. <laughs> Special request uh, for beef tartare. Uh, it tends to be a good dish to cook when you are cooking on television because it doesn't require any cooking, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you can get it done really, really fast, which is one of the uh, tricks when you're competing. Uh, but we're starting with some eye round. Uh, I could tell you that it's filet mignon, but it's eye round. It actually works really, really well. It's, it's less than, uh, uh, it's half as expensive, maybe even yeah, half as expensive, that's right. right. Uh, so this is what we usually use at the restaurant. Uh, we're going to just start with this raw beef, uh, and then we're going to season it. You have all the things that I need to season this, Scarlett? Uh, we're going to start, of course, with a little beef. There are a number of reasons why I season things from way up top like this. One, because have you ever seen Salt Bay? No. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you've seen Salt Bay. Yes, there are some young uh, people in the audience who know. So Salt Bay, hold on. Now, since you know. There you go. Boom, Salt Bay. Uh, you're going to have to go now, uh, for everyone who doesn't know what Salt Bay is, tonight when you leave here, you will be, like, the last thing you do, you will look up Salt Bay on Instagram, uh, and you will be blown away by a man who wears the deepest v-necks ever, right? Doesn't he? Like, it's just deep, deep v-necks. Uh, but he's got a restaurant in Dubai and Turkey, and, and, he, and he salts his meat from up high. But the reason we're doing that is so it gets on all of the meat, right? Because sometimes you see a chef on TV, and they're just seasoning like that. It only goes right on whatever they're seasoning. We season up high. It gets all over the meat. Plus, it's theatrical. It looks really, really good. Um, we're going to add a little bit of pepper here as well. Uh, where are the rest of the ingredients here, Scarlett, for the uh, vinaigrette? Um, we're gonna, we have some of these pickles. pickles yeah. yeah, so these are pickles. Um, we made these pickles just for you, Minneapolis. Like, I didn't buy them. Like I said, you know what? We're gonna make pickles for them. They deserve it. We didn't make pickles for Syracuse. We didn't. We bought them for Syracuse. We make them for you. Here's how we make them. You guys probably know if you've seen me cook uh, uh, on a television show that I use a lot of technology and I sort of get a, a rap for like using science and technology. Um, it's accurate. It is true. It's accurate. Although it bothers me a little bit um, because um, people think I only cook with liquid nitrogen. And sometimes I'll be walking down the street in New York and people will just be like, liquid nitrogen, dude. <laughs> it hurts my feelings. I have a name. I am more than just someone who uses a cryogenic fluid. Um, I can cook with chicken and salt and pepper and butter. Uh, but today we're going to cook with liquid nitrogen. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Feel free during the show, if you hear an ingredient that you love, to just go crazy for it. Just like, was it you? Yeah, well, who? Someone went crazy. Yeah, yeah it was you. Um, by the way, not to put you on the spot, I like the beard. I like the beard. We were talking about it. Um, I think you should keep the beard for a little bit. There you See? go. Okay. Um, what, this, is, this is what's in here, right? Should I take it out? <laughs> Am I in trouble now? I've called you out twice. I've called you out twice. That's what happens when you're in the front row, okay? Um, speaking of which, the front row, you have signed a verbal liability waiver when you're in the front uh, row. My show gets a little sort of uh, Vegas, SeaWorld, Carrot Top. So uh, when we pass out the garbage bags, just be prepared. 
Um, this is how we make our pickles, all right? So you've probably seen one of these. I love that face because you're like, what? Yes, thank you for adding the audio to it. By the way, speaking of audio, just so everyone knows, I'm recording my podcast as we're doing this demo. It'll be the first podcast episode, which is just a live demo. Uh, my podcast is called Richard Blaze is Starving for Attention. Uh, it's, yeah, there you go. Uh, it's free. It's free. It's the only thing I'm going to try and sell you tonight is this free podcast. Just hit, hit subscribe, write a review on it. But you're going to be on that episode. You're going to hear yourself laugh. And you're going to hear yourself make that noise that you just made. All right, so here we go. In here is how we make pickles. So you see this when you go to the coffee shop. I don't want to mention any brands, but Starbucks. And when you go down there uh, to Starbucks, like I went to the one on the corner here twice today because I have a coffee problem. Um, but you see this and they make whipped cream in this, right? So they put cream in here, they charge it up with uh, nitrous oxide, which is right here, this little silver bullet of nitrous oxide, uh, and it basically inflates or whips the cream because there's enough fat in it. But you can really um, use it for many different things, this tool, and what we've used it for is making pickles. So what we've done is we've put our cucumber slices, I don't know why Scarlett brought this, is this out just, to, just a cucumber. this yeah. is a cucumber? <laughs> Uh, here, you, who's got some hands? Here, you got some hands? You got a cucumber, sir? That's yours. Sure. There you go. It's also a cold cucumber. There you go. Uh, what we've done is we've sliced our cucumber, we've put it in here, we put our pickling uh, liquids in here, and then we charge it up with the nitrous, and that expedites the pickling process, right? So this is going to take months off. So I know all of you at home have mason jars filled with pickles because I can see it's a hipster audience. Um, I also know you have long winters here, right? So I'm envisioning your cupboards filled with mason jars of uh, pickles. Um, but here we can sort of save maybe three months off of the process. Don't quote me on the exact time. We charge it up with the nitrous. Everything's compressed. All of the, uh, the vinegar and everything sort of gets sucked into the pickle, and it enables us to make pickles. Um, one, you can do it at home quickly and save those months, or if I'm cooking on a television show, this enables me to make pickles in like five minutes instead of five days, right? So there's always a reason why we do things, not just because it's really cool, although it is really cool. All right, so the pickles are in there. Did we want to discharge that? Or no, we don't have to, do we? Uh, yeah, no, we don't have to. All right, so the pickles are in there, uh, and then I'm going to season uh, our steak tartare with some of these pickles. If you didn't want to go through that whole process, you could just throw some cornichons in there, which is just a fancy way to say sweet gherkins, right? And I'm like, I like sweet gherkins actually sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, I'm going to add some chives in here. What else? We have some shallots. Uh, all of these are really traditional sort of beef tartare flavors. Uh, and then we're going to add a little bit. Uh, are these mustard seeds going in there? Or is this going to be a garnish? No, I don't want to do that. You want me to do that? Scarlett says, Scarlett says do it. I listen to her. She's the one. Okay. This is something we call mustard seed caviar, uh, which is basically like, um, you know, someone who really, like if you love caviar, like, um, but you don't have the budget for it. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a really really great thing, right? Doesn't it, it kind of looks like fish eggs, right? Oh wait, that's caviar. Yeah, it makes sense. There you go. Um, so it's mustard seeds that we basically just have let sit in some vinegar to sort of make pickled mustard seeds. Really easy recipe. Just buy a container of mustard seeds, and then you're fancy. You have mustard seed caviar. No molecular gastronomy, but it's going to add a little bit of sweetness, a little bit more of acidity. Uh, we're going to throw that in there. I think that's it, right? That's it for the uh, for the base. A little oil, I agree. Look at Scarlett. You got this in the swag bag from Syracuse. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of amazing. Like one of the gifts I will sell you. I have so many beach bags, like shopping bags from like all of these events that we do. We should just do a wall of it. Like my, my wife saves all of them. I don't know why we save all of them. Um, but there's the olive oil that Scarlett got as a gift for checking into the Jefferson Clinton Hotel in Syracuse. <laughs> all right. 
So we're going to mix this up. I can smell this. It smells great. Uh, we're always, you know, using all of our senses, of course. Um, I can tell I probably didn't add enough salt in there, a little bit more salt. And that's the tartare. As is, it's fine, delicious. Uh, put it on some hot toast, and that's ready to go if you wanted to simplify this. Uh, but I'm Richard Blaze. I like to make things really complicated. Um, and we're going to take this to the next level, right? Well, um, first is going to be what's happening over there in that machine, right? Um, am I plating this right here? Right? I'm going to plate this here. Like every good modernist chef, my uh, beef tartare is going to get plated on an old tree trunk. Um, this is a, this is a, you, you know, you go to these restaurants. You guys have been to Spoon and Stable, I'm sure, right? Right, my friend Gavin Kaysen. That's uh, one of my Minnesota friends. The other is Andrew Zimmerman. Those are the only two people that I know that I live here. Um, that's not true. No. So there we go. There's our tartare. Uh, plated on this little tree trunk, which I like. We'll put that off to the side. Uh, the next dish, uh, the next item that's going to go on this dish is an egg, right? And I want to take you inside the machine and what happens. I made this call about 17 minutes ago. I texted Scarlett, and I was like, are you cooking anything sous vide? And she said, no. And I said, you're cooking an egg sous vide. And she said, yes, chef. And that is a good, that is a good sous chef. That is a good sous chef right there, making it happen. Uh, really quick, uh, well, yeah, okay, yeah, we're okay. Uh, this is an egg that's been cooked sous vide. Um, so sous vide means, oh, can you, uh, can you peel this guy? Yeah, so Scarlett's going to peel this. It's been cooked sous vide, so under, under, sous vide means under vacuum. Um, but really, in this case, we're, the vacuum is the eggshell itself, and we're just cooking at a very, very uh, precise temperature. Is it going to be done? Yeah? Okay, she's, she's, she's got some pressure on her. She's got to peel that egg. Um, so the, the egg has been cooked very gently at a precise temperature. So I'm going to scoot over and change sides. Um, you know what? I can just, we can just pretend it's peeled, too. Yeah, it work. You're going to crack it into there? Perfect. Okay, Scarlett's going to handle that. So the egg's been cooked with this machine right here. So this is something, you're a big foodie crowd, so I'm just going to test you right now. What is this machine called, or the process? So it's called sous vide, and this is a, an immersion circulator. Good answer over there, person. Well, I've got to add throwing my voice, a little ventriloquism to this show. Um, this is an immersion circulator. So it's kind of a neat tool. It's really an amazing tool for a home cook. And I know a lot of you cook at home, and you're serious about food. Um, it sort of gets a wrap of being a fine dining instrument, but there's a lot of applications for the home cook. So what this enables me to do is cook at a very precise temperature. Uh, if you can see the top of this, you probably can't. Let's see if I don't break the machine or spill all this water. But it's cooking at 62 degrees Celsius, right? Um, 62 <coughs> degrees Celsius. That's the exact temperature that an egg protein starts to coagulate, and it's going to give us an egg uh, that's just done. We'll go, go run in, go run in the back. You know, Scarlett broke the egg. It's okay. It's all right. It'll live forever on the podcast, but she's going to go get one. Um, she broke the egg. That happens, right, to the best of us. Um, there's one reason that I cook uh, at Celsius. The only reason I cook Celsius is because I'm an asshole. There's no other reason to cook Celsius. Um, I mean, there is. It's a little easier to work with, but certainly you could cook Fahrenheit. Um, the, the home application for sous vide cooking is very simple. Usually it starts with this vacuum plastic bag. That's the first part of sous vide cooking. And let's say you wanted to grill 12 steaks and you were having a dinner party. I could vacuum pack these 12 steaks. I could put it in the immersion circulator. I set the temperature to mid-rare. You like your steaks mid-rare? I set it to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. And then you literally just go walk away and do whatever you have to do in your day, right? You go to the gym. You just maybe drink a couple glasses of wine before the party starts. Um, do whatever. Go take a shower, get dressed, whatever it is. Go shopping. Uh, the, the whatever's in the circulator won't cook past the temperature that the machine is set, right? And it cooks exactly, that was quick. Scarlet's back. That was really, really quick. Um, so it enables me to cook, for you, it'll enable you to cook 12 steaks perfectly at home for a dinner party. 
for me in the restaurant, I'm here with you. I have restaurants in Southern California, uh, and they're cooking their steaks tonight. I know all 300 of them are perfect because basically we're living in the age of technology, right? I have, this is a little robot. This is my little robot, uh, not you. Uh, um, so there we go. So there's a sous vide egg. It's perfect. Just, just set. Uh, we're going to plop it down there right on top. Look at that. That yolk is ready to gush. I'm going to put a little salt in there. Any questions about uh, sous vide cooking? Yes. I knew you were going to have a question. Oh, I yeah. watched all Top Chef um, episodes. Yes. And there was a season finale where the sous vide let, was it Casey Jones? Oh, yeah. I remember. I was there. I, I came on. I was a guest on that episode. So it was like a yeah. gesture thing. Um, well, here's the thing about sous vide. It's not foolproof. Like, you do have to set the machine to the right temperature. So, like, that specific instance, she set it to, like, well done. Well, if I set the machine to well done, it's going to cook the steak well done, right? Um, so, again, you, you still have to, like, for all of the robots that are going to come into our world, you still have to program the robot to do what you want it to do. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting into my science and technology keynote, which is uh, <laughs> next week in Austin. Um, but that's why we cook sous vide. And it's also gets the knock for being only something that you use for proteins, but it's amazing for vegetables. So like Thanksgiving uh, day at my house, all my vegetables get cooked sous vide because I can just have basically eight bags of carrots and potatoes, whatever it is, cooking sous vide. Vegetables also cook quicker, and they're just cooked in these plastic bags perfectly, and I just cut them open and put them on the table, and I don't have 19 pots on my stove, right? So I, I can see some of you want to talk offline about this. I should have a sous vide machine in the, in the, I should be selling one, which by the way, I will say that if you wake up at four in the morning and see an old infomercial with me selling a sous vide machine, I'm sorry. It was a long time ago. It was a lot of money, but it was a long time ago. Um, but we know a lot about sous vide. Okay, we'll move on from the uh, sous vide process. Uh, and now we're going to talk about the rest of the garnishes that go into this dish. Um, uh, first is going to be this, this dressing, right? So this dressing is one of my favorite things of all time. I'm a very serious, fine dining chef. And one of my favorite things of all time. Ranch dressing. Yes! First of all, I think we're vibing, the kids would say. Because you all said it. I know you could see it, but you were like, ran everyone loves ranch dressing. So we love ranch dressing. Of course, we made our own version of it. Uh, it's buttermilk. There's some of those mustard seeds in there. There's, you know, 19 hidden secret herbs and spices in there, <laughs> if there's that many in there. Uh, and there's some pickled ramps that we uh, preserved from last fall, because that sounded really romantic to say. Yeah. I'm also lying. I have yeah. no idea if there are ramps in there, but we usually do put ramps uh, in this recipe. And what did you do? You just, like, kind of drizzled up there a little bit of this ranch dressing, right? So we have a lot of things that are pretty amazing here. You can see this texture is really nice, too. Uh, and the texture is because we put this ingredient called xanthan gum in this. Now, xanthan gum sounds really fancy. It's probably in every prepared dressing or sauce that you buy. Uh, and it's something that really just helps thicken uh, a product and gives it a nice sort of, um, what's the word for when something flows really, really nice? Uh, and it's nice like a pour of something's pourable. Viscosity. There we go. It's got a nice viscosity to it. Um, so we use xanthan gum a lot. It doesn't really change the flavor of it. It just cha changes the texture. Again, it's in a lot of foods that you already are purchasing. You can buy it also in the, um, for someone who sees this and you're like, oh, that's chemicals, I don't want to mess with that. You know what aisle this is in at like a Whole Foods? It's in the vitamin aisle. Yeah, so I mean, it's just, I think it is weird that sometimes molecular gastronomy gets this rap for using like lecithin and xanthan gum and they're, they're in the vitamin aisle. Agar agar is in the vitamin aisle. Um, so that's just me making a rant as a molecular gastronomist. <laughs> and actually, I can't believe I just said that. I'm not a molecular gastronomist. It's a horrible word. Uh, have you ever, like, you know why it's a horrible word? Just a bad marketing word. You're never going to go on a date and you're like, 
where do you guys want to go? Maybe some Mexican food? Maybe some Italian? Uh, where do you want to go? Um, how about some molecules? Do you want some molecules? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's just a bad word. So we love using the science and technology, but we're not a fan of the word. This is xanthan gum, right? Um, by the way, um, this, is, this would be lecithin, another ingredient we use. This would be methyl cellulose, another ingredient that we use. Um, what else? This would be um, uh, modified food starch, another ingredient we use. We spoke about agar agar. We spoke about lecithin. This is part of my pantry. I will say that traveling with 19 miscellaneous white powders makes me very popular in this <laughs> I, I, I'm flying close to a half a million miles this year domestically, and this is what happens every time I go through TSA. What is that? That's an emulsifier, sir. <laughs> Let's see what the dog says about it. Okay. Um, then next here, we're going to put um, some little uh, texture items, right? So this is one of my favorite things. We need texture here. We got this soft egg. The meat's kind of, a, you know, it's a soft texture as well. We're always looking for a te texture and temperature contrast. By the way, the egg's warm. The meat's cold. That's a temperature contrast. Texturally, these are chicharrones, right? These are chicharrones. Chicharrones are, are technically pork rinds, uh, but these are made from beef tendons, right? Because this is a beef tartare, so we feel like it works a little bit better for the dish uh, to put some beef chips there. We cook them really slow, then we fry them nice and crisp. Uh, at home, put some potato chips on this. I'm fine. Like if you're doing a quick fire challenge at home, and you only have five minutes, and there's a bag of potato chips next to you, uh, go ahead and run and do that. Um, I'll put a little bit of pepper on here. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. That's right. The Lady Ang podcast is turning 100. We have laughed, cried, giggled, unfiltered through 100 episodes, and we want you to join us for our 100th birthday extravaganza. We're looking back at all the best moments, the funniest moments, the best advice we got from our 100 guests, and we want you to join us. So come find us on Tuesday, and you can find us exclusively at podcastone.com or the new Podcast One app. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can feel famous. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Have you guys, you guys know my friend. Do you guys know Guy Fieri? Like, are you guys, you like, like Guy Fieri, right? He's, he, what's that? Well, good for you. Look at that. Nice. We need to get in the cookware line. That's something that we need to do. Uh, Guy Fieri is uh, a friend of mine. Uh, he's an absolutely amazing person. Uh, he's actually in Santa Rosa right now helping all those firefighters with the fires, like feeding tons of like, I'm getting goosebumps because that's the type of person he is. Um, have you ever seen this show, uh, Triple D? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, so some of you haven't. That's okay. I mean, don't feel bad. Um, not everyone has Guy Fieri's cook line. So like, I mean, it's cook line. <laughs> uh, but for those few people in this audience who have never seen uh, the show uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, I am now going to reenact every single episode ever <laughs> of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Uh, right? Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Yes. Are you guys ready? Okay. Uh, I'm going to play both roles of Guy Fieri and the local chef that he's visiting. All right? Every episode. To paint the picture, uh, the camera is always positioned 
directly over this mixing bowl, right? So I want you to think about that. Or it's a two-shot of Guy Fieri uh, and the chef that he's visiting. Uh, here we go. You ready for this, Scarlett? Okay. All right. Every episode of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. For the purest in the audience, but thanks for checking me. Details matter. Details do. What's up, brother? What are you making today? That was Guy Fieri. <laughs> this is the local chef now uh, who's making meatloaf, who's never been on television before, ever. What's up, brother? What are you making today? I'm making meatloaf. <laughs> Camera right over the bowl. Put some salt in it. Some pepper in it. Put some white pepper in it. Some pink pepper in it. <laughs> some paprika in it. Some smoked paprika in it. Some Hungarian sweet paprika in it. Some Montreal steak seasoning. Some roasted poultry seasoning. Some taco seasoning. Some North African lamb seasoning. Some Mediterranean fish seasoning. Some wasabi powder. Whoa, brother, you put wasabi powder in there? That is lights out, out of bounds. You are a culinary gangster. That is every episode ever of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. And there's a lesson in there, not to use 19 ingredients in your meatloaf. That's not the lesson. The lesson is that it's wasabi powder that sets Guy Fieri off. If you want to be a true culinary gangster in the kitchen, you have to use wasabi powder, Okay. And for those two people who have never seen Diners, Drivers, and Dives, you never, you don't have to now. That's fine. Okay, back to our dish. We have our beef chicharrones. Uh, what is this for? Oh, we're going to add a little bit more of temperature contrast to this dish, right? Does that work? Um, so we're going to uh, introduce one of my favorite ingredients, um, and that is... Yeah! yeah. Liquid nitrogen. Yeah. Um, this carpet doesn't look too expensive. <laughs> if anyone's got open-toed shoes on, just be mindful. Uh, this is liquid nitrogen. There we go. Um, you're going to be okay, everyone. Uh, trust me. This is minus 367 degrees Fahrenheit. Here we go, Jones. Pretty heavy. By the way, this is the other thing I travel through airports with. It's a lot of fun, guys. Uh, this is minus 367 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, a lot of you were kind of shocked. I kind of set that up. Um, if you find yourself doing a segment on the Today Show, do not pour this on Kathy Lee's feet. Do not. It is an automatic three-year ban from the Today Show. I'm back now, but I'm just telling you don't do it, okay? Uh, never touch liquid nitrogen with your hand. Scarlet missed her cue. That was where Scarlet's supposed to go. Uh, never touch it with your hand. It's really, really cold. Never put it in your hair as part of a secret ingredient. Uh, for those of you who don't already own my James Beard-nominated cookbook, try this at home. The recipe for the hair is in the book, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. It's equal parts liquid nitrogen and duck fat. Equal parts. That's how this happens. That's how this happens. Uh, so it's really, really cold. It's basically as cold as frying oil is hot. That's what you need to know. It's a little less dangerous than frying oil because I would never have stuck my hand in frying oil, okay? Um, the real danger is if I have this metal spoon and I put this in liquid nitrogen uh, and then I decided I wanted to make out with this spoon, my tongue would stick to this spoon. Don't do that, okay? That's the real danger of it. 
Um, but besides that, it's an ingredient we use a lot. What I'm going to do is to add some texture to this dish is this is a horseradish ice cream. Yes, it is. That I'm going to drip in this liquid nitrogen. And what's happening is as soon as the ice cream hits the nitrogen, it forms a sphere or a pellet or a pearl. So we usually serve this on oysters, and we call it oysters and pearls, a little homage to one of my uh, mentors. Uh, but it's horseradish ice cream, okay? You might say, wait, I s I've seen that somewhere, maybe at a stadium. You're right. This is Dippin' Dots. Dots. Ice cream of the future, invented in 1985, that went out of business five years ago. I'm bringing it back, everyone. I'm bringing it back. But we're only doing flavors like horseradish and parsnip. That's it. No vanilla. No vanilla. Okay. So I'm just going to straighten this out. There we go. I wanted to throw that over my head. Uh, and you can see, let's see, I, I, I'm just going to dump some of these out on the table so you can see that they're these little, these little pearls, right? These little pearls. I'll put the rest on the dish because that's going to give us a little temperature contrast on there. Um, and that, that's going to add flavor, temperature contrast. Again, if it's in an oyster, it looks like pearls. It's really, really fun. Uh, it could just be straight ice cream. We could make a bowl of these. Uh, another fun thing to do with liquid nitrogen, because I know you were thinking, Richard Blaze. What's another fun thing you can do with liquid nitrogen? Um, it is, uh, and then maybe we'll see. I don't know if this is the type of crowd for it. Where's the thing that I'm going to mix up in there? Uh, this is it? This is, this is gin. This is gin? Oh, yeah, we're in the Yeah, there we go. Nice. That is, there you go. We're in the right place? Got it. Okay. This is gin. There's nothing else in this except straight gin. Okay? So one of the fun things to do with liquid nitrogen is to do something that you thought you couldn't do in college, freeze alcohol. All right. Uh, so this is, by the way, a bonus dish uh, that I would not do unless I felt like you were being a great audience. So take one second, give it up for yourself. It's not in the contract. I don't have to do this dish, but I'm doing it for you because it took alcohol to get you interested. Next show, we open with this. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is straight gin. Uh, and then what I'm going to do is with the nitrogen, real simply, I'm going to, or you might have to help me, Scarlett, okay. but maybe not. Uh, I'm just going to whisk the nitrogen into the gin. Yeah, this is a good photo. Some of you are already on top of that. For you or the kids over there, are you Snapchatting? Okay, no, okay. Here we go. Um, the, the young people. And then uh, liquid nitrogen straight to the alcohol. And you can see what I'm, what's happening. I should have just done this one. <laughs> and then here's tequila. And then here's whiskey. Yes. Um, so I actually, this will warm up, and, and this is almost a little over frozen, although it's a nice texture. But what this is basically is just gin sorbet at this point. There's nothing else in this. Two ingredients. Um, it freezes it. If you wanted to put this on an ice cream cone, that's a rough next morning. Uh, Scarlett's my fifth assistant. <laughs> They usually go down somewhere between this part of the demo and the next morning, okay? Uh, but uh, it's also a, a good part of the uh, demo to tell you uh, that I do weddings, bar mitzvahs, uh, big family gatherings, corporate events, all sorts of stuff. Um, again, this is a, would be a little bonus dish. You put it in a little cocktail glass. You can eat it with a spoon. Uh, but you pretty much can freeze anything when you have a cryogenic liquid that's minus 367 degrees. Um, what's next, Jones? Uh, we're going to finish with some uh, botanicals, uh, some wood sorrel that we've harvested from the local park. Um, <laughs> there's still some green things out there. Uh, we washed it. We washed it. Uh, my driver yesterday was really obsessed. He was an awesome driver, but he was like, he, he picked us up and he was like, it snowed about an hour north of here. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. We went hunting for bear yesterday. 
Like, that was his. That was his opening line with us, which was kind of amazing. And I think it maybe he might have done some research because I, I did this small role in a film. Have you guys seen this film? Why him? I did. Yeah, you did see it. Okay. Well, yeah. I have a little a small role in it where I play like this sort of modernist, like ultra hipster sort of modernist chef. Um, named Richard Blaze, and <laughs> it's uh, James Franco and Brian Cranston are in the movie, movie, and I play this modernist chef who's like only uses tweezers and does all these outrageous things that you would never see anyone do. Um, and <laughs> in the movie, I got to write my sort of menu and the script for like my part of it, and part of it was cooking bear for this family. I mean, they were in California. But then our driver was like, yeah, we took down a bear yesterday. What's up with that? We, we, we eat it all winter long. He told us the whole process. It was kind of fascinating. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. All right, so wood sorrel, a little bit of uh, mustard greens as well. And this dish is almost over. I know I'm running out of time. I didn't even see someone give me a mark. Uh, we're going to do a little Q&A if you guys want as well. Uh, but we're almost wrapped up. We're going to go to the center fold over there. What else, Jones? We got everything. Okay, here we go. So uh, that's, I don't know. I'd charge you $39 for that, probably. <laughs> uh, we're going to add one, other, one extra element to this. Again, we have temperature contrast. We have uh, textural contrast. We have sweet, salty, uh, you know, we have uh, umami flavor, right, that's coming in there from uh, some, uh, some tomato that I forgot to put on there. But here's, some, here's some tomato that's going to give a, a little umami. You know what umami is? Contrary to popular belief, it is not the name of a Brazilian supermodel or a soccer star. It is the name of the flavor of savory, uh, things that come from like bacon, shellfish, uh, tomatoes, Parmesan cheese. So that's going to give us a little bit of that. Uh, and then we're going to add one last element to this. You ready, Jones? Mm -hmm. yep. Fire. One last. Fire. How do you know? Uh, just... uh, <laughs> nice. You've got to have... Where there's smoke, there's fire. Where there's fire, there's Richard Blaze. The dome gave it away? Wait till you see our next show, because we're about to do something different with domes. So when we come back next year, or if you want to follow us to Chicago in the next couple of days. All right, so here we go. This is one of Scarlett Jones's favorite ingredients over here. Uh, she's from Queens, New York. I just want to preface that. Uh, let's fire it up, Jones. Let's let's do what we got to do. Um, this has some hickory chips in it. Um, just be, yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, this is this is called the smoking gun. In college, this had another name. Yeah. <laughs> or at least the college I went to is a school. Um, here we go. All right. So we're gonna fill a little bit of hickory into here, um, and that's and that's gonna add a little bit of flavor to it. Um, and that's the most important thing. Like we would never do this just for the sake of theater. Uh, we're adding this aroma of hickory, but not too much if we had smoked it traditionally. Uh, and then when this comes to the dining room, this sort of creates this very theatrical sort of fajita in the dining room moment, right? Uh, but the most important thing here is not that I'm just adding flavor. Yes, that's really important. It's that now by putting it under this giant glass dome, adding the smoke to it, walking it through the dining room, this now allows me to charge you an extra $30 for this dish in my restaurant. A businessman was like, Yes! Um, here we go. So this comes out. Uh, the server would bring this out. This is my cue to you for anyone there. There we go. So I'm going to open it to you since you're the only three out with cameras. Uh, I'm going to give you a good shot. We open this up. There we go. Boom. Everyone goes crazy in the dining room. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're selling 50 uh, beef tartars. That's our dish. We did the bonus cocktail here uh, with the gin and no tonic, just nitrogen. Uh, real quick, before I wrap up and we do some Q&A, uh, this was my first book, Try This at Home. This was nominated for a James Beard Award. Best American Cookbook. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. By the way, thank you for hitting your cues. Scarlett, he's hitting his cues. Um, I really just want to share this. Uh, here's the one thing. If someone tells you that their thing was nominated for something, it means they didn't win. 
<laughs> that would just say we won the And I thought we were going to win because they called and said, you're, you're up for this Best American Cookbook. And if you don't know what the James Beard Awards are, it's basically like the Emmys, the Oscars, the Grammys, the ESPYs, the Webbies, whatever it is that you're into, the Tonys. Um, that's what the James Beard Foundation is. And I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I'm up for the award. Then they called right back and they said, can you present the last five awards of the evening? And I said, yeah, because that means I've won my category. It doesn't mean you win your category. It means you hand out, you lose early in the night, you sit through a three-hour banquet, you hand other people their dreams as you're wiping your eyes. Um, but this was Try This at Home. This is my latest book, So Good, that just came out a couple months ago. They're both available through your favorite distributors. Uh, inside, uh, I just want to show you one thing about me. Obviously, I think you know I'm serious about my craft, not so much about myself. This is the centerfold of Try This at Home. I believe every cookbook should have a nude centerfold. <laughs> this, this is my family. I'm a native New Yorker, so on Sundays, uh, we do this thing where we have um, you know, marinara sauce and spaghetti and Brooklyn gravy, as Scarlett might say. Uh, and my kids, who were four and two at the time, they were into this thing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you heard of Disney? Yes, they're into Disney, uh, and they were getting these dresses for the movie Frozen, and they have to order them from China, and it's Anna and Elsa, and they're very expensive, and every Sunday they're getting marinara sauce all over their dresses. So one Sunday, I asked Riley, my oldest, um, you know, to take off her dress for the meal. She's a pretty smart kid, although maybe not that smart because it was halfway through the meal. But halfway through the meal, Riley says, Dad, why am I the only one who's naked? I thought it was a valid point. <laughs> so we started the Blaze family tradition of topless spaghetti dinners in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. The only reason that I tell you this story uh, is that if you end up over my house for Sunday supper <laughs> and my kids ask you to take your clothes off, it'll still be really awkward, but at least you know the backstory. Thank you so much for having me. I am... Uh, uh, here for any questions, if you have any, I certainly, certainly, we don't have to do a Q and A. Uh, I was pretty thorough, but yeah, right up here. Would you have books for us to buy here? That is a question that I have to get asked. Um, it doesn't look like we have books available to buy. Um, maybe uh, we can. I don't know. We may, we definitely they are available online and for probably a better price. Um, but they are both available through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and all that sort of stuff. Yes. What percentage? Are Percentage of the time do you set off the building smoke alarm when, yeah. uh, when you do this? Demonstration? I was saying, so we, we spoke a little earlier, and uh, you know we probably do 75 shows a year, and sometimes it's 5,000 people, and sometimes it's 25 people in a, in a small room. So we've seen a lot of different things. Uh, it's been a while since I've had such a low ceiling, so I, you saw me when I did it just to be like, yeah, this would be a great podcast app if it ends right here with a fire alarm. Um, but we have yet to do that. Right. But I do feel like I yes. have to do one of these. Yeah. Um, so no smoke alarms just yet. Any other questions or comments? Yes, great. Where are your awesome. restaurants? Restaurants. So at the moment, we have a, a, a group of restaurants in Southern California. So my more fine dining restaurant, Juniper and Ivy, is really right near the airport in San Diego. We have a concept called Crack Shack, which is chicken and eggs, uh, which is a fast, casual concept. We just got done with a Series A raise of around 13 million, and we have two locations open with a third opening next month, which makes me anxious, and uh, six more locations coming in the next 18 months. Uh, so that's growing up um, you know, the Southern California coast from San Diego to Santa Barbara at the moment. Uh, I also just started a, this is kind of brand new news, last week um, I, I started a project with Chipotle, um, which is taking over a growth seed startup called Tasty Made, which is a burger restaurant that has one location uh, in Lancaster, Ohio. So that's probably my closest restaurant to you here, which is mm. probably a day and a half drive. <laughs> if that. Uh, but many other things to come. Uh, and uh, 
you know, if you just follow me on social, you'll you'll find out all that stuff. But thank you for asking. And there was a question over How here. How long have you guys been cooking together? Uh, we have been cooking together. You want to answer this one? Yeah, about three years. Uh, I worked at Juniper and Ivy initially um, and on the line in the kitchen, and then just kind of started traveling with him more and more after. The last assistant ate too much liquid nitrogen. <laughs> 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 that sounded, that sounded legal, didn't it? It sounded legal. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah, at least four years. Um, probably one year that Scarlett's been sort of my travel chef and assistant. And um, I will say this is a good moment for you because, like, she does so many things, right? So, like, in Syracuse, we had to cook for 500 people. So her job is, like, there aren't too many people that can do what she does. She has to, you know, prepare all of this and basically be a culinary producer for television. At the same time, she has to be a chef that can expedite 500 dishes at an event center. Uh, and we're in five cities just this week. Um, so it's a pretty tough job. There aren't, and, and there have been many people before her that have failed uh, miserably. Some because of liquid <laughs> nitrogen cocktails. Yes. Uh, some because it's just so many different hats that she has to wear. Yes, sir. You mentioned Gavin Kaysen earlier. Yeah, uh, I love Gavin Kaysen. Where else are you eating here? You know, I have not dined at Spoon's Table, which is embarrassing, because I'm usually just in and out. Uh, I'm looking for maybe a, a, a nice dry-aged steak tonight, so maybe if you got some recommendations. Um, but, you know, I ate at a little shawarma place this morning, this little, like, fast casual. It was right next to Chipotle. Um, it's a mouth 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 Yeah? Which I like. So, so I'm into concepts, big time. So I had not seen it before. And I asked them so many questions, and they were like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how many of these do you have? And they were like, you know, the guy's just scooping out rice and couscous. And he's like, dude, just tell me what you want in the yeah. bowl. I don't, I'm not the guy. Uh, but that was, I thought that was a really fun, fun, fun concept. And uh, I, like to, I like that level of dining where it's just really great food at an affordable price. If you like concepts, do you have a, a general feeling about the whole food truck? Yeah. Sure. So across from where I ate today, I noticed a whole line, like right across the street here, a whole line of food trucks. Uh, First of all, if any of you have those dreams of being food truck operators, it's a horrible, it's like, what a tough game, right? So I think it's amazing that young chefs have been able to sort of bypass the traditional brick and mortar restaurant and open up their own small business on on wheels, basically, for, you know, probably if they bought everything. $100,000 $100,000 like to buy a beat up truck and you know and that's probably a high you know a middle middle range for it um, but I can just tell you from the business side of it what a tough business plan unless you figured out a way to have you know dozens of trucks and incredible logistics uh, and that's the one thing that about uh, about chefs in general is like most of us um, and myself included up until just recently like we don't even care about money like we're just we're just lost in this world of just like we love food and we want to make people happy, but we could care less as long as we're just breaking even. Uh, but food trucks are a tough game. I think that we are about to, you know, that trend is going to slow down if it ha- hasn't already pretty hard. And I think you're going to see some real dynamic changes on the digital front when it comes to food. You're already seeing it with the food delivery, um, you know, with the blue aprons and green chef and all of these. I mean, there have to be dozens of these concepts. I don't know if that's going to um, go the distance, but I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing the Airbnb for chefs. Actually, it's already out. Um, so uh, there's a couple of companies now that are doing Airbnb for chefs. So like Scarlett can say, come over to my house for $35 a person. I'm making an Italian four-course dinner tonight. Uh, and that probably sounds as weird as Airbnb sounded in the beginning. Like you're going to come to someone's house and stay there. So you're going to see a lot of change on the digital front. I am uh, obsessed with drones. 
Uh, and this is going into a speak that I'm, uh, a talk I'm giving next week in Austin for the National Restaurant Association. Uh, but drone delivery, not just in the traditional way like you ordered pants and it's going to show up, uh, but with food, but with um, hurricane relief and disaster relief efforts. Um, also, I have this wild idea that you'll, if you listen to my podcast um, about delivering donuts via drone, the concept's called Donuts. Uh, and I've worked it out so it costs about $7,000 for a dozen donuts. It's only available about 100 yards from my house. It's a true idea that doesn't scale at the moment, but I do think you're going to see a lot of sort of uh, plays in the digital space. Thank you for that question, by the way. Any other questions? What's your favorite food city? Favorite food city, really tough when you're in a city. That's not the one you're going to say. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not here enough. I, I do think that, you know, and you guys know, like Minneapolis, and, and that's sort of like, you know, when you hear things like, it's the next Portland, it's the next Austin. Like, uh, that's certainly where I think Minneapolis is right now. And you, when you have a chef like Gavin Kaysen basically coming home, you know, to make, you know, uh, three Michelin star food, and he's, he's one of many, I know. He's just the only one that I really know. Um, so this is a great food city. I probably love San Francisco. is probably my favorite. Um, and then I'm a native New Yorker, so I mean it's hard to beat just the scale of New York. Um, but I think these little cities, Minneapolis, where you know I live in San Diego, basically, Austin, Portland, Houston, these are all great food cities, and I've left out of probably a few. So I should be a politician. I didn't really answer. No, I did. I said San Francisco. <laughs> yes, right here. How do you make scrambled eggs? Uh, ooh, that's a really good wow. question because I've been lately very into scrambled eggs, specifically, well, omelets, which is like a version of scrambled eggs. And uh, it happened because I'm, I'm hosting a new show that hasn't aired yet, and one of the challenges was omelets. So like, I spent like all day, basically, just making omelets, and then I started making them at home for my kids. They hate them, by the way. <laughs> my kids really don't like my food. That's how I go <laughs> I'm just taking you into the like, uh, therapy session for me right now. Um, but like, And like, I'm putting truffles in them. Like, what are they? What, 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 uh, the truffles are not good. Wild truffles, they're not good enough for you? For you? <laughs> You'll eat truffles. Um, but uh, low and slow, um, I, I probably cheat. I use a nonstick pan. Low and slow, just salt, um, a little bit of white pepper, a drizzle of milk or heavy cream, uh, and then just like really almost put them in a, you know, a pan that's just warm enough so that they don't stick, if that's why I use a, non, a, a nonstick. And just low and slow. So like you're almost making a sauce. And like you turn them on and pull them off. And put them back on the stove. So that there should be no, in a proper omelet or, or scrambled eggs, there should be no browning. Right? So it's really hard to get done um, correctly. But that's how I've been doing it. But uh, in a pinch, I'm all about the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> microwave safe container. Crack an egg. Whip it up. That's called a midnight meal for me. Right there. <laughs> Some leftover rice. Yes, right here. Can you find a kid's or like your go-to for your kids? Uh, my, my kid's favorite dish for me to cook for them? Yeah, that they'll or, eat. That they'll eat, yeah. You guys know, you've seen me on TV. I'm incredibly neurotic. I'm hard on myself. Like, um, they do eat some things. Um, well, here's one that works always. Um, and this is from my book, So Good. That my, I'm basically, you know how some families, like, they have the, the bedroom door to mark off height? I just do cookbooks to mark off how my kids are growing. So you saw them in the other picture here, my kids from last summer. Uh, this is an ice cream sundae. They love that. The kids love ice cream. This is a big shocker, I'm sure. Um, they also, they'll have a problem. We do a lot of photo shoots at my house. Um, so my kids um, will uh, like request liquid nitrogen ice cream every photo shoot. And I'm like, 
we've done it in the middle of Rachel Ray Mag. We've done it in people like we we can't do it. But they're just they just think if there's a camera in the house, they're getting liquid nitrogen ice cream. <laughs> Uh, I, my, you know, they're very different. My, my oldest daughter, and probably those of you who know kids, like kids, or have kids, will understand this. I want to do that. Okay, yeah. um, is my oldest? She was our only child. We did everything for her. We separated all of our food. We presented everything very, like, like presenting to the emperor. We backed away. We were like, oh my god, do you eat the peas and the carrots? We shouldn't mix them up. Uh, and we set this horrible precedent for a picky eater. Basically, is what happened. Uh, and that's how she is. And she's more of a chicken tenders and peanut butter and jelly girl. Uh, my youngest has been eating bone marrow and like green curry. Like because really as parents we were just like, that's dinner. And if you don't like it, breakfast will be served in a couple of hours. <laughs> uh, so I mean I think we all sort of go through that. Speaking of kids, this is from my first book. Um, this is my youngest daughter who was one at the time. Her name's Embry. Uh, this is her in one of those immersion circulators. Um, there's a couple reasons why I'm sharing this photo with you. This was the worst fail as a dad I ever made because I put my child in an electric plugged-in appliance that's filled with water. <laughs> Everything's okay. And it's public. Uh, and it's public, right. Um, but don't do that. Uh, but one of the reasons we did it is that we actually researched with the sous vide technology what the actual medical temperature of a perfect baby's bath is, it's 37.5 Celsius, if you're wondering. Um, so we did this little recipe for a baby's bath and how, 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 how hot the water should be, et cetera. But I really just wanted to let you know that sometimes I'm a horrible dad. <laughs> uh, spaghetti is the answer. Anything with pasta, both of my kids will eat. Uh, they're carb, they love carbs. Uh, and, and, they, and they love, you know, sometimes we'll have to do butter and red sauce, but whatever. You know what I mean? We'll make them happy. What's that? They can, right, oh, Nate, only. Well, only on Sundays. They can wear their clothes uh, right, the rest of the week. <laughs> Any other uh, last questions, comments, concerns? He is here. Cool, guys, go leave. I'll keep by and just say hello before you, you leave. Yeah, Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. The Serial Killer Podcast, hosted by me, Thomas Weiberg Thune, is the podcast dedicated to serial killers. Who they were, what they did, and how. Join me as I sit down bi-weekly to bring you, dear listener, into the dark land of serial murder and psychopathy. The show goes into graphic detail on the most infamous and lesser-known serial killers from around the world, with each episode covering one unique serial killer. So far, the show has covered serial killer superstars, such as BTK, Jeffrey Dahmer, and the Yorkshire Ripper. And lesser-known killers, such as Elias Abuelazan and Anatoly Onoprienko. Be advised, this show is not for children, as it takes you deep into the twisted world of ultimate evil. You can find me exclusively at podcastone.com or on the new Podcast One app. Also, don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.